Okay. I'm thinking. Have you experienced some trauma in your life and you thought, wow, I wonder if this pain that I've been through has any purpose? Well, do I have a treat for you? Our guest today was going to share how she helps people, specifically women, on how to take the pain that they've been through and turn it on a per- turn it into a purpose because she has done the same thing in her own life. So welcome to the Shea Sparks show. And I have to take a break here because I totally forgot my script. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. Welcome back to the Shea Sparks show, where we talk with business and military leaders about what it means to invest in leadership, relationships, and self-love. This is season 10. And I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we spark leaders to find, use, and share their voice through coaching, podcasts, and publications so that you are fired up about your life and business. And talk about being fired up. My guest today is the amazing and my friend, Jessica Marie. Thanks for being here, Jessica. Hi, thank you for having me. And we met, gosh, June of this year, right? Back in 2023? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Can't believe it's already November. I know. I know. Time goes by so fast when you're having fun, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I love that we just immediately hit it off when we were discussing uh, that we're already coaches, that now we were taking this NLP training, and that we both had a podcast. So I was immediately, yes, we have to interview swap as soon as I found out what you did. Yeah. 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 I'm excited. You're going to be on my show in like a few days. So yeah. Well, thank you for being here. And for those of you who don't know, Jessica Marie is a mentor and spiritual guide, helping people live more on purpose through their heart. She is the founder of a women's coaching collection collective called the purposeful soul project. She pulls from the background of trauma informed coaching techniques like NLP, Master Practitioner Certification, Somatic Parts, Memory Therapy, Reiki, Intuitive Healings, and so much more. She has dedicated her career for the past four plus years to supporting women. And I am just so excited to dive in. And I'm just, with everything that I know about you and the things that we have done, I'm just Curious to know, what does it mean to you to really invest in self-care? Hmm. Self-care, I I know that we can't keep pouring out of an empty cup. And a lot of the times we're so people-focused and other-focused that we don't focus on ourselves. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think selfish gets a really bad rap. But personally, I think we need to be more selfish. So investing in self-care is the number one, whether that is monetarily like through coaching or through therapy, or if it's just taking an hour of your day in the morning and just like 
pouring back into yourself through meditation, through movement, through breath work. Um, so for me, it's, it's vital to the work that I do and also being the best version of myself for my, for my friends, my clients, my family. So do you think self-care is the same thing as self-love or is it something different? I think that they are intertwined a hundred percent because when you care for yourself, you're loving yourself. Um, but I, I feel that self-love is more of a embodiment and self-care mm. is more of an action. Mm, I love that distinction. Mm-hmm. So and it's almost like it, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? So it's almost yeah. like we have to do the self-care in order to embody the self-love. And then sometimes we have to embody the self-love in order to take the action to do yes. the self-care. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. So one of the things that I know that you do is really help women tap into that, uh, their own intuitive healing, their own intuitive sense, their own embodiment of what self-love looks like. Can you kind of take us through what that looks like with someone? Well, it's all intuitive. No, <laughs> um, my <laughs> framework, you know, normally my framework is essentially, you know, understanding what their goals are and just diving deeper because we, as you know, as a fellow master prac, um, NLP practitioner is that we always set goals in the conscious, but we don't really look at the unconscious and that's where the outcomes come in. Mm-hmm. So the way that I work with people is that, yeah, we're going to go through conscious goals. I'm going to ask deeper rooted questions, get really like more of the causes, the effects, the more of the roots, if we like to a degree that we can on the call. And then when we start working together, we start to see those layers go deeper and deeper and deeper. And I use a lot of somatic meaning body. So emotional processing through the body. So actually giving giving ourselves an opportunity to feel into the feelings and the sensations and the emotions so that we can move it through the body. So I utilize breath work. I utilize parts work. I utilize NLP, all to say subconscious reprogramming, essentially. Mm. And so from there we're able to essentially get to a place where we're understanding where our root causes and we can stop the bleeding. And if we take that a step further, it's really coming back to the core principles of tending to our inner child, reparenting ourselves, because no matter how fantastic your childhood was, no matter how challenging it was, there's always going to be a layer of needing to reparent. And when we start to reparent ourselves, we start to heal ourselves and we start to manifest more of what our adult self wants instead of acting out of that inner child. Mm. I love this because I've said multiple times on this show that our childhood experiences shape our adult decisions. Mm-hmm. And we know through everything that you and I both do as far as our coaching, but also research in the world is showing us that our body is keeping score mm-hmm. when we experience trauma. So can you give us an example of someone that you worked with that you really were able to help them move it through their body? Because we've heard that term before, right? We have to process it through, but we don't really understand unless you've experienced it, how that, how, what that looks like. A lot of my listeners are people who have been in the military who might have experienced some sort of trauma. So can you give us an example of what that might look like for, for them and how do they seek it out? Yeah. And so we have to realize like the level and degree of trauma we've been through. And so I don't have necessarily full experience working with like deep big T traumas. However, 
to me, the, like you said, the body does keep score to um, a degree of feeling emotionally safe. And we have to feel safe in our bodies in order to heal. And so I really like to incorporate more nervous system regulation and being able to feel safe in the body, regulating the nervous system will help you go deeper into your healing. And so with the clients that I work with, it's always finding a root of safety in the body. And a lot of the times um, it can be, I wouldn't say a lot of the times I, let me correct myself. I should say some of the times I've had clients that just have an armor on their heart. Mm. And so when we're doing more of this deeper work, the subconscious work, as we know, (laughs) Shay, you know, specifically as NLP, that the body and the mind will kind of halt if there's Mm -hmm. something that feels threatening and vulnerability. Again, if you don't feel safe to open up, your body will not. And so we can get roadblocks and there's different ways that we can finesse our way through the subconscious mind. But It's really working and it's really, I think, a level of intuition of like where this person is within themselves and how deep that they can go. And so you just kind of start to chisel away Mm. at that armor, right? Mm. And so I have a client that I worked with who is such an incredible high achiever and she went through a lot of uh, narcissistic abuse. Mm. And so as we were chiseling away, um, it was really beautiful. We worked together for six months and I just slowly started to see more of the de-armoring of her heart. And it was just creating a level of trust within herself that she really just needed to have. And so in order for us to really get to the root, we have to really acknowledge, do we feel safe in our own bodies? Is mm-hmm. my nervous system flared up or not? And mm-hmm. it starts with just creating awareness because as we know, especially as coaches in this world, a lot of us have lived in autopilot. Maybe some mm-hmm. of us still do. And it's like, are you somebody who is constantly being busy? And are you somebody who is you know, not able to sit down and be by yourself. You know, those things I, I had a, a specifically I had a client who was primarily in that fight or flight this entire time. And she just realized it um, as we were working together. She's like, why am I deflecting? Why am I always wanting not to be alone? Why is it hard for me to live alone? All these things. And it was like, oh my gosh, it's literally because you don't want to be alone with your thoughts because it doesn't feel safe. So ultimately how can we start to feel emotionally safe and actually create more normalcy and normalize that verbiage and really start pushing that out of like, you're, you're flighty because you don't feel safe. So how do, what, when was the last time you felt safe and giving people examples of when they should have felt safe, which is usually with mom and dad. And a lot of us didn't have that. Mm -hmm. So we have to recreate it in our adult Mm -hmm. life, which is, you know, challenging, especially when we're in our thirties, forties, fifties, and we have to like go back to square one. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know I've done that myself and my listeners know my story. They they definitely know that I have done that. So can you give us, uh, you know, take us back to how you really got inspired to do this work? Was there something that you really needed to reparent yourself for and recreate that safety? Yeah, yeah. I feel that for me, I've one, my childhood was, I wouldn't say chaotic, like most people would describe chaotic, but my parents got divorced when I was two. It was very toxic conversations and conflict between them. And little did they realize I was in the middle of everything. They fought Mm -hmm. in front of me. I don't, again, like our parents, my parents, well, my mom is a baby boomer. My dad, I, 
I believe he's a baby boomer, maybe on the cusp of Gen X, um, baby boomer ish. And so um, I felt like they didn't really have the tools, you know, to really acknowledge what they were doing. But I was just like always in the middle, always like just hearing every conversation and little did they know I was just absorbing everything. Mm -hmm. And so I always like grew up with this desire to, um, or curiosity of like, why I am the way that I am. And I've been in some, um, not so healthy relationships with men. And my first real relationship in college was just so verbally, verbally abusive, emotionally abusive, toxic. And after that, I really started to really get curious of why I chose that person. So the curiosity was always there, but I never felt the need to go deeper Mm -hmm. in the moment. Um, and so growing up, I always wanted to move to Los Angeles. I'm, I was born and raised in Ohio And when I moved to LA in 2016 to like begin my career at the time, which was um, in fashion and in business. And so while I was there, I started to have more, I think, opportunity of like different point of views, more diversity, et cetera. And so the move, like the piece that kind of broke me open was I went through another relationship um, in 2019 and met this man for eight, eight weeks. Okay. Then I started crying over him every single day. And I was like, mm-hmm. Jess, there's something wrong here. I wasn't judging, but I was like, really like curious, like what is happening? Mm-hmm. And so my friend took me to a breathwork class mm. and blew me away, like had a full out of body experience. And I've always been an open person, like I shared, but never was the initiator in the moment. And yeah. so after that experience, I feel like spirit was like, okay, like we, we correct you open. We opened Pandora's box pandemic happened. And so I left my corporate job in 2019 to pursue a coach coaching business in the time was fitness. Um, and then, yeah, it was pandemic happened. I did this like virtual spiritual retreat, had a spiritual awakening. And I realized as I was in another relationship that, oh my gosh, I'm just repeating habits and behaviors. (laughs) What is going on? And that's where everything started to make sense. So I feel like God source creator just started to give me these like little hints of like mm-hmm. the work that I get to do. Um, and so it was like 2020 was when I really went on my healing journey and really understood what that meant. And then I got exposed to psilocybin and I wouldn't say the rest is history at all, but that's really where the opening happened. Just relationships for me was like the open door. Yeah. Well, you know, I heard Oprah say this one time and I think it's so true. At first, God throws a pebble at you and then it's a yes. rock and then it's a boulder. And yes. then finally you hit the brick wall, right? Like, boom, yeah. like, could you be any more clearer? And uh, I know oftentimes it's not just relationships that we get in that mirror our 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 childhood experiences. It's also our work relationships. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we'll be uh, surrounded by leaders who are also those toxic people, also, you know, those abusive that we don't even think about because it's like, well, we're not in a relationship with them. Right. You're not, but you are in a work relationship with them and, and you don't even pay attention to it. I know even, um, in some of the people that I've coached that have been veterans, I mean, even the military is, and I don't want to speak bad about it, but you know, and some of it's sometimes the leaders aren't getting the proper instructions on how to lead. Mm-hmm. Right. So then they become their own product of their childhood. Right. Yes. So it's just this continuous vicious cycle. Cause 
I know from my past experience, which was an abusive relationship too, he was the product of his own um, toxic family, right? That he grew up with. So it's this huge thing that unless we're paying attention to really what our past is, what the pattern is, and then consciously going, okay, how can I move forward to heal? Mm. I feel like, do you feel like then we, we don't, we don't heal unless we consciously make an effort. We're just not going to heal. And we're just going to make the same choices. I think the biggest lie is time heals all wounds. (laughs) And Mm. I didn't realize that until my really like the most challenging breakup I ever went through was in, I would say 2015, right before I graduated college and you know, I was still grieving and, and it wasn't that I was, I I had anger. Let's just say that it wasn't grief. It was anger and resentment and just like bitterness towards this person for years and years and years. And it's like, what it's been five, six, seven, eight, it's been eight years. And I truly think that I finally fully healed it last year, seven years, you know? And so like to the point where I can forgive this person, love this person, send them so much love, like from far away type of thing. And I never thought that was possible. So I Mm. think the biggest lie we're told is time heals all wounds. It doesn't, like you said, you have to consciously be an active participant in your healing journey or else it's going to keep running itself in different people, whether it's work, friends, uh, situations, experiences, Mm -hmm. it's all relative. And I, I think that sometimes we say this with so much love, but I think a lot of the times we, we are playing the victim and it's like, no, we actually need to take responsibility for our life and our actions and look at how often has this repeated itself in different ways? When am I ready to face it? Mm -hmm. Well, two, you know, you said something about forgiveness. So I want to dive in on just a little bit deeper there. So for my own journey, I figured out that I was very angry with not Mm -hmm. just my ex, but with many people. And I went through a forgiveness exercise that I just kind of came up with and, uh, it, it diminished my anger and I was really surprised, but I think we are as a culture, uh, especially in the American world, we don't focus on the forgiveness component to it. So how did you get to a place of forgiveness? Mm. Well, <laughs> it's been a journey. And I think that forgiveness starts with compassion and understanding. And this level of acceptance for that other person and realizing, like you said, that people are just a pro and this isn't like to diminish at all, but we are all a product of our parents, you know? And so we get to change the trajectory. We get to change the narratives. However, when we've been hurt by somebody else's actions, I think when we can start to see them as a human and realize that they are just a product of whatever they went through and hurt people, hurt people, Mm -hmm. you start to not take it so personal. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're able to detach from that and realize like this person wasn't hurting you, they were emulating and projecting what they knew to be true. Right. And, you know, and I, with that concept of thinking in a general sense, like we, everyone's a good person, right. And we were, we are good people. We just have bad behaviors type of thing. And so I think that's really helpful for people to really realize you can be more understanding, compassionate 
not excuse the behavior, but when you're able to be compassionate, then that's when you can get to a level of forgiveness. And it's not about them. It's really about you Mm. because when you can let it go, it's no longer holding you back. It's, it has nothing to do with them. Forgiveness is all about your journey within yourself. Well, and I was just going to say, I'm glad you brought that up. So do you think that the compassion and understanding and the non-judgment comes to ourselves first so that it then was able to overflow onto the others who have, who have perpetrated us? Yeah, absolutely. I think we have to fully experience it within our own selves Mm -hmm. to then be able to transmute that and receive that from others, you know, because there's so much power. And again, I think a lot of people don't know this, but like, that's why working with a coach or a therapist is so powerful because you can dissolve everything within your own self and your own mind. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course, it'd be nice to get that handwritten letter, but you're, there's just not, that's not always possible for that other person. So I think when we can start to create the sense of forgiveness within our own self and our behaviors and show and have other people reflect that back to us again, being in a community, having a coach or a therapist, it can feel so helpful to be like, you see the truth in me. And now I get to see it in myself. And therefore now I can give it back. Yeah. I like it. I love that. So a lot of my listeners are also in the stage of life that they are considering something doing different. And so your own experience, you went from a corporate job to starting your own business and doing coaching and they might be an employee going into entrepreneurship or they're in the military coming out and figuring out in civilian life, what's next for them. So can you share with us your journey on the, you know, thought process of how you decided to become an entrepreneur and go out on your own? Or um, how did you become a coach? Was there something else that kind of tweaked your eye? You talked about fitness training first. So was the, how did that tweak your eye first to go, you know what? I think I could do this. Yeah. Well, I was in a corporate job and I was working for a very, um, very well-known active wear brand in Los Angeles. And it was great. I got, I, I I'm so grateful for that experience because I got to wear so many hats. I got to see so many different departments. I got to be in rooms with the CEO, which was really amazing. And, um, it was, it was great until it wasn't. And I, mm. and I, and I feel like there's a lot of, I don't know why this happens, but I think that we always get to see things for like what we don't like to then remind ourselves what, what we do like. Yes. And yes. so I, in just the thought process here, I went to school for fashion, merchandising and marketing. Cause my brain was like creative outlet yep. CEO or creative director of a brand. That's where yes. I saw myself like businesswoman and then creative, but yep. I didn't have the, the, I guess, resources to expand it further. So I was like, cool, fashion sounds fun, you know? And I was passionate about it at the time. And so went to school for that, got a job in Los Angeles for a really great company. Um, And I started to just kind of see the things I didn't like to do, which was sitting at a desk for eight hours. I was like, (laughs) why am I sitting here for Mm -hmm. eight hours? And I know we just talked about this, but like my natural way of being as a projector is like, I need rest. Like nine to fives are not good for projectors. 
And so uh, I just was like really fighting the system. I was getting rebellious a little bit. And I was like, Jess, this isn't good, you know? And so um, I just, yeah, and I wasn't creative in my role. So I was doing all the things I didn't like. I loved being able to manage people. I loved being able to have the flexibility um, to like roam, if you will, the department. But mm-hmm. when it came to the work, I was like, I'm not, I don't want to do the grunt work. I don't want to be behind the scenes. I want to be in front of the scenes. I want to be talking to the influencers. I want to be doing this and doing that. And I'm playing small here. So that really gave me an opportunity to see where I was shorting, um, shortcoming myself. And so um, I gained a lot of weight. That's what really happened. Mm-hmm. I gained a lot of weight. I was partying. I was going out. I was eating out. I think it was... uh god and goddess's way of showing me that i was meant for more again that like i think this was like more of a rock versus a little pebble and so i gained 30 pounds in five months which was very rapid i've never fluctuated more than five pounds in my life from my weight and so i knew something was up i had to really take back control of my health um started doing all the fad diets feeling more depressed about everything amplifying and then i was like i'm gonna invest myself in invested in myself for the first time, got a trainer, got a nutrition coach, felt so good to give them my credit card. I was like, okay, this is different. Lost the weight, did a bodybuilding competition. During that time in 2018, 2019 is when really I started to think about how I could be of service. Mm -hmm. And I started to post my journey on social media. I got really great feedback. And then someone kind of put the idea in my head to potentially be a a personal trainer or fitness coach. And then I just started to kind of try to surround myself with people on the internet that were doing what I wanted to do. So for me, community is huge. And again, we have, and I didn't know this at the time, but anything that we want to do, we have to, our brain has to find evidence that it's possible. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, if you can do it, I can do it. So I started to try to find that evidence. And I finally decided to quit my job in 2019. And I had um, three full-time clients bringing in a certain amount of income where I was like, okay, God is like, let's do this. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's kind of the big shift for me. And like the big things that happened for me to shift out of that career. That's awesome. And congratulations on one, losing the weight, but taking back control Yeah, and being able to really refocus on, yeah. you know, what you were, the, the, the pain that you're going through and really refocus it on moving it through your body, so to speak, by building it yeah. back up. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, I just love what we've been talking about and uh, I want to continue. Clearly we could talk for hours, but before we continue, I want to hit on um, the shout out to my sponsors. So I want to take a moment to share the incredible teams that I've, I've partnered with and Heroes Media Group group is the one who produces the show. And so I always like to give a big shout out to Adam and the team over there. Also want to share with you this wonderful energy supplement that I have found with my friends over at ULA Universe, and it is called Sisu Stamina. And typically I will drink a cup of coffee in the afternoon. And with this little chewable tablet, I don't have to, I just take one of those and then I am good for the rest of the day. And it's not, it doesn't have um, caffeine like it does like coffee, but it, and it tastes kind of like vitamin C. So it's actually, it's definitely helpful for you and it has long-term effects as well. And also I want to mention the Firestarters book project. Um, It's connecting and collaborating connect creative thought leaders inside a book that ignites a movement to really be the change that you want to see. So you can join the movement today at firestartersbookproject.com. 
And I also want to mention at ULA Universe, if you make a purchase and use the promo code SPARKS10, it will save you 10% at the checkout. So Jessica, I, I love that you just shared your story on the bodybuilding and the, the whole transition you sh- really started to see, I think, as you're telling the story, I could see it for you, where you're really starting to see the purpose in the pain that you had been dealing with for so many years, the over over the years. So what advice would you give uh, to the listeners, to the audience that is going through something and they don't see a purpose in it right now? Hmm. I would say, are you ready to not feel this way anymore? Like when Mm -hmm. is enough enough? And I say that, and I deliver that with so much love because until you are ready to stop feeling the way that you are identifying with what you're feeling, who you think you're becoming, that it will continue to run your life. So when you start to take back control of the narrative is when opportunities will start to present themselves for healing and you will start to see how it possible it is to, to move through your pain so that you can find that purpose. Um, there's so many different ways to move through the pain to purpose narrative. But first, just start with not wanting to identify with the pain anymore. And that mm-hmm. will help create a new trajectory for you. Have you found with the clients that you've worked with that sometimes that it, there's comfort in that pain because it's all we know? Yes. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, I take a lot of this teaching from Existential Kink, which is a phenomenal book by uh, Dr. Caroline Elliott. And mm-hmm. um, she talks so much about why we stay stuck. It's because we're benefiting from it. And mm-hmm. again, I think some people aren't really ready to hear this yet. And at, at the at a degree we're not fully ready to hear all the things that we're right. still doing. Right. But self-sabotage is a big reason why we stay stuck because we're benefiting and fulfilling a need mm-hmm. in some way by, by staying in this identity or by staying in this pain that we're in. Right. And so it's really learning to look at like, what am I benefiting from? Like we could use example, like, um, maybe there is, um, some, maybe someone lost a loved one mm-hmm. and it's been years and they haven't moved on yet. Right. But maybe they're receiving so much love and support from family, from friends that they're like, oh my gosh, what if I actually move on? Will I still be supported? Right. Those things really play deep into the psyche that prevent us from actually moving forward. We can talk about money, same thing. What if I am, what if I make this amount of money that I want to make? Will people see me the same? Well, am I going to still be accepted by my friend group if I'm making 100K months or whatever it is? And it's the brain goes into the space of like, I need to survive. I need to be loved. I need to be accepted. You know, as a, as a human race, we need to have that connection and community. And mm-hmm. so if that is perceived a threat, even though it's positive consciously, the brain will do everything that it can to prevent it. So yes, mm-hmm. I think we benefit staying stuck and mm-hmm. we need to get out of that little by little by showing ourselves what's possible when we do. 
Well, and you mentioned community a little bit ago. A lot of times when we complain about something, we uh, allow others to be like, oh, yeah, I know what you mean, and kind of add on to that that complaining so that it creates a, a kind of a community of sense of belonging. Yes. So when you take yourself out of that and realize that complaining is actually dragging you further down and the community that you're surrounding yourself with that's jumping on it is also dragging you down, that it's not propelling you forward then that in itself is a huge awakening to go, wait, I I could change this. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that. Misery loves company. It's the same concept of that. It's, are we going to continue identifying with that way anymore? Are we going to continue surrounding ourselves with people that are like, yeah, that's super crappy that happened to you. I'm so sorry for you. Oh my gosh. You might, you know, like just going into this deep spiral. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with venting, but move forward from it. Like, okay, I had enough of venting. Now I want to go fix my problem. You know, so there's a different mentality there. And I, it's just really to stop identifying with the story itself, but more of the solution. Mm, I love that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Stop identifying it and focus on the solution. Perfect. So what is next for you? What do you see uh, in the next year? We're coming up on a new year. And new year, new you, as we know, right? (laughs) Uh, So what, how do you want to reinvent yourself for the next year? Ooh, I love that. Oof, that's such a good question. I'm reinventing myself by getting out of my own way of sabotage Mm -hmm. and allowing myself to think greater than my environment and my current circumstances. I think we all, again, are sometimes feeling, um, confined by what we have versus what we know it's possible. And we're like, well, I don't have it physically. So maybe it's just not meant to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I just am starting a new business with two other co-founders called the conscious entrepreneurs collective. And that is going to be my second business, which I'm so deeply excited about. And that is really allowing other desiring entrepreneurs, whether you own a business or you're a coach, service provider, et cetera, wanting to come in and work on the human being behind the business and behind the brand. Because I've realized through my journey that it all starts with us, right? And so we are an extension of the work that we do, the service, the brand that we are. And so um, I am working towards building that community up with my uh, with my team next year in 2024, and also really focusing on um, expanding my own personal coaching business and retreats next year. So just continuously allowing myself to be seen as the leader that I actually am, and the mm-hmm. wild woman, and the um, the self-expressed woman, and just really allowing these stigmas of beliefs that I think I. Th- thought I needed to have just Mm -hmm. to dissolve and really step more deeper into authenticity and allow these companies to be a extension of that. So that's really how I am reinventing myself in 2024 and what I am really doubling down on. Mm, I love that. You're doubling down on reinventing yourself, which is, you know, huge. So take us as a look back into the future to look back. What do you want to be remembered for? What would be your legacy? Ooh, somebody who helped them remind them of their true power and Mm. of their true way of being. I feel that a part of my soul contract, my soul's purpose is to really help activate and awaken people to their own potential. 
And it's not that you just put your hands on them and they're healing or they're remembered. It's really being like a walking embodiment, I like to say, or a role model. And so I want to continue advocating for my own way of living, whether that's unconventional to some or not, my own belief systems, my own way of lifestyle, my own ideologies, and really feel more rooted in that. And I want to be remembered for Jessica being authentic as hell and allowing her way of truth to activate the truth that's within my heart. Beautiful. I love that. And you are doing that right now. So I am so honored to be connected with you on social media and you just are portraying that and everything that you do. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And speaking of social media, how can people get connected with you? What is your website? You know, there might be like, well, I am the student and I'm ready for the teacher and you're definitely a wonderful teacher. So how can they, how can they work with you? Yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram. Handle is Jessica Marie Step, all one word. My website's just the same, jessicamariestep.com. So yeah, most of my offerings are on my website. Um, But like I said, everything that I'm, you know, I'm primarily on social media, Instagram, particularly um, sharing things that I'm doing, events, retreats, um, my little riffs on my ideologies on there too. So yeah, come give me a follow, connect with me and how we can um, just chat about all things mm, <laughs> that are interesting. I love that. Yeah. And um, we will have that in the show notes for sure. JessicaMarieStep.com. And I just want to say thank you so much for being here. This has just been an honor to have you share your story and all the beautiful things that you're doing by transforming pain into purpose. So before you go, what I always like to leave with my last question of what phrase scripture or mantra are you living by right now? Hmm. It is safe to be seen. Mm. Yeah. That just came to me and that just felt so true. Safe to be seen in all of you. Hmm. Safe to be seen. And I'm soaking that one in for myself as well. (laughs) Yeah. I think we all could use a little bit of that more. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being seen today. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for having me, Shay. And don't go anywhere. Stay tuned for the next segment. You won't want to miss it.